is my wife, Diane. I actually claim her. Do you claim me? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise God. You know, she's been, um, we talked about teaching together, but then she's like, well, I think I should preach myself. And I said, yeah, I think so too. That'd be great. So the Lord's put a word in her heart, and I know it is going to be awesome. So we just pray for ears to hear, eyes to see, and in a willing and obedient heart. Love you, honey. Well, good morning, everybody. So first off, after that concert, you know, usually buy a ticket before your concert, but after that concert Veronica just gave us, you can pay your admission on the way out at the door. It's, it's $25 a head. That's a steal for a great concert like that, right? Yes, yes. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Awesome. So, I mean, you can't, I mean, concert tickets are expensive. So you guys should feel blessed and honored that you were able to attend this morning. For that concert. So the title I have, as you can see, is Don't Be Selfish. So, you know, as a child, you know, little kids tend to be selfish a lot of times. There's a toy. They want that toy. You got to teach them to share. You got to teach them not to be selfish. You need to share that. You know, don't be selfish. You need to share that. You kind of break them of that, and then they become teenagers. And we all know that teenagers tend to be selfish. And you got to bring them up in the right way, not to be selfish. And you got to think of others, put others first. Don't be self-centered, don't be selfish. Well, even as adults, we're very selfish people. That's just the human sin nature in us, to be selfish. It's always all about me, 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 me. What can I do? What can I get? What can I have? Where can I go? What can I be? It's all about me. Well, I'm going to try to talk to you today about don't be selfish. And here are a couple of ideas that might help you to do that. So, I have a handout, and I know it's kind of long, so I'll be kind of quick. So if you miss any of the answers, I'll give you answers later. After the service, you can come find me if you miss any of the fill-ins. But when God made his covenant with Abraham, he was making it with all of us. All of the promises that were given to Abraham were given to us. So in Genesis 17:7. It says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. That's us. You know, that is us. What is a covenant? A covenant is a contract, an agreement. You can think about it. It is a legal binding document. This is what it says. This is what I promise to do. He's promised us this. He is promising us. It is a contract. He said in Genesis 12, 12, 2, he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. He's talking to Abraham, but he's also talking to us, right? Say, you're talking to me, God. He's made that covenant and contract with you that you will be a blessing. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. So the covenant promise with Abraham is the foundation for the biblical concept of blessing and prosperity. The covenant promise of blessings is for each one who has received Christ by faith. So, you know, when I make a promise, I try to keep my promise. And if I don't, I apologize for it because a promise is your word. So we have two daughters. When they were little, I learned the hard way. 
Yes, we are going to go with our oldest daughter, Rebecca. Yes, we will go horseback riding on Saturday. I will try to take you horseback riding. Well, that's a promise. In her mind, as a child, and if something came up, it's storming outside. I can't take you horseback riding. I'm sorry. But you promised me. So I learned the hard way that I, if I made a promise to the girls, I, felt I followed through. And if I wasn't 100% sure, I never made that promise. I'm like, I will do my best. I will see maybe, possibly, let's, you know, ask me tomorrow. And they didn't like that. But, you know, when I make a promise, I want to keep my promise. God made a promise to us, and he's keeping his promise. So in Galatians 3.29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So now do you all, do you all believe that you are part of Abram's, Abraham's descendants? Do you all believe now that you, I've given you three verses that say that you are his seed and that you deserve this promise, this covenant that God has made. That's right. As a child, did you all sing the song? Father Abraham had many sons. Yeah. yeah. Many sons. Many daughters. Exactly. So, number one, his blessing in our lives is so we can have the opportunity to be a blessing to others. Okay? That is what the Bible says. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. If you look at Acts 20, 35, it says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord. Jesus, that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So if Jesus told us it's more blessed to give than to receive, he never lies, right? Exactly. It is more, you're more blessed to give than to receive. And I always love giving presents and seeing people open them. I'm more excited at Christmas time. Like, I like just sitting and watching my family open all their presents and my friends. I don't care if I get anything, you know? I mean, I like getting presents. So if you ever want to get me something, you know, please do. But I love seeing other people open gifts and getting something. So I have, um, if you look at A, indeed, in God's economy, you'll be more blessed if you are a financial, a spiritual conduit rather than a spiritual cul-de-sac. God wants us to work through you so that you will be a blessing to others. So I have a a niece and a nephew-in-law. And he has a pretty good job. You know, they make good money. She homeschools her two boys. She goes to church. She's a believer. She's a breast cancer survivor. She has, I mean, she has faith, and she's walked it out, and she is out there, and she loves to give and give. And she does her tithing at church and everything. But then, you know, she had extra. He got a bonus. He goes, I'm going to do, I want to give more. I want to plant seeds. So Tim and I talked with her, prayed with her, showed her different scriptures, so she's like, I have seed. I'm going to plant a seed. He, she planted seeds. They upped what they were giving. She felt like she needed to do more. She was following what God told her to do. And then her husband lost his job. And so, you know, it took him a little bit to find another job. But, you know, they prayed about it, and they waited on God to what God said. And all that seeds that, he, that they planted, he got a new job, making 1.5 times more than what he was. You know, so, almost, yeah, double, it was double. I'm sorry, it was double about what he was making. So she decided instead of hoarding all her money in her little cul-de-sac, 
She was going to let it flow through her, and she was going to be the conduit to get it to where God wanted it to go. So when we give, we are showing that we are in a place of humility and offering. So she's a very humble person, and she loves to give and give. So when you give at a place of humility and offering, God shows favor upon you. God is working to pour blessings out on those who obey him and pursue the things of his kingdom on earth. So in Deuteronomy 8, 7 and 9, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of those hills you can dig copper. God's going to provide everything for you, everything. So how do you get this? How do you get to this, this spot? Well, the qualifiers for being prosper is be in Christ and in faith that the blessing belongs to you. Do you believe that the blessing belongs to you? You have to have the faith and believe the blessing belongs to you. So many exempt themselves from this thinking, I don't deserve that because of what I've done, where I've come from, you know. And so they leave those presents unopened because God has all these presents for you. Like if you at Christmas time and you have a Christmas tree and you have all these presents under the tree, do you like, ah, oh, we're not going to open this one. This present says, Sarah, do you think my Sarah is not going to open that present? No, she's going to open it. She wants to open it as soon as she sees it, even if it's not Christmas. So do you think it's going to be left under that tree unopened? So why would we leave the presents and the gifts that God has given us unopened? There's so many gifts he has for us. we got to choose to open it. But some people feel like, I know Tim got me this really nice present. It's under the tree, but I don't deserve it. I'm not going to open it because I don't deserve it. Because, you, know, you know, I haven't lived a very good life. I don't deserve it. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done, where you've been. All of God's presents are for you, each and every one. He's picked them out special for you. He knows exactly what you need, exactly what you want, and he's given you everything. So in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So blessings belong to your house. It is unnecessary to chase after them. If I work harder, if I do more, if I work more, I'll make more money. If I work more, I'll make more money. Am I working for the money or am I working for the people? So there was a time before Tim and I met. Tim was married before. And when his first wife decided to leave, she left, left him with all the bills. And he's told this story before. He was in debt, big time, trying to pay off the bills, working overtime, working every weekend, missing church, not tithing, not doing anything. A year goes by, he still hasn't made like a dent in his debt. He finally gave up and said, God, I'm going to do, I can't do this. I think God told him, well, it's about time you listen to me. And he, so he did God's way. Within a year, he had everything paid off. He worked less hours, had everything paid off. So are you working for the money? Are you working for the people? So like I work a lot of hours, but I want to help my team out. So I help, 
I'm working for the people, and God gives me opportunity to speak into the people's lives. So you got are you doing it for the right reasons? you got to think about it. Why are you doing it? Are you chasing after something worldly? Are you chasing after what God has placed before you? God has ordained blessing to overtake you. So God wants you to be overtaken with blessings coming in from everywhere. So in Deuteronomy 28, 2, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. You give as God tells you to give. If you pull up on your car to a street corner and there's someone there with a sign saying, homeless with three kids, need food, need help, God bless. And you decide to give them 20 bucks. So you hand them 20 bucks because God told you to give them 20 bucks. You're done. You obeyed God. It doesn't matter what they do with that 20 bucks. That's on them. So don't second guess yourself if you say, well, God told me to give him 20 bucks, but I really think he's just going to go spend it on something he shouldn't spend it on. It's not up to you. You obey God, and you will be rewarded for obeying God. It's then upon them and up to them to determine what they do with that. So we had a lady from one of our previous churches. Miss Betty was this little, little lady, very, very short, very, very spunky. And one of her stories was she was at church. They had just been married not very long. And she heard God tell her, put $10 in the offering plate. And she knew $10 is all they had left to their name. And it was in the pocket of her husband standing next to her. And she's like, God, I need that money to get gas because my car is on empty. And I'm not going to have enough gas to get to work so I can make more money so I can pay the bills. He goes, Put the $10 in the offering plate. So she snuggled up to her husband, said, I need that $10. He goes, that's your gas money. She goes, I need the $10. Do you know her car ran on empty for two weeks without having to stop and put gas in it? Because she obeyed God. When God tells you to do something, you obey. You bless what he's told you to bless, and you, he will bless you in return. So in 2 Corinthians 9.10, How now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply all, multiply the seed you have sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Always have enough to meet your needs. God is always going to give you enough to meet your needs. I know we've told this story. I'm full of stories today, so I'm sorry. But, you know, Tim and I, we've been, you know, it's been two years now that Tim's been out of work. Financially, you know, go from two-income family to a one-income family, it's kind of a hit. But, you know, praise God, we haven't felt it. God has provided for everything. We haven't struggled with our bills. We haven't struggled with our daughter in college. We haven't struggled with anything. And we've even had leftover for seed. You know, we've taken our seed and given out and blessed others. Because we chose to be a blessing, God's going to bless us. And so we lean on him completely because he has been there. He has not broken his covenant promise to us at all. So he wants us to possess an abundance, a giving account. So the Bible definitions of prosperity is that you have enough and extra. So this is where my title comes in. Do you know if you have a need and you need $1,000, 
to pay something off, and you need that $1,000, and you pray to God, and you go, God, I know you're going to provide for me, but I need $1,000 so I can take care of this, you know, get this settled. You're being selfish. Did you know that, Ronnie? If you need $1,000 and you ask God for $1,000, you're being selfish. You should ask for 2000 because then you have enough for you and enough to give. You have enough for, your, for you, for your bread, and then you have seed. He wants you to prosper, have enough for yourself and enough to give. The bread is what you need. So you need your bread, and then you need seed so you can give out so other people can have bread. So he wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. So it's never enough just to pray for enough. Whenever you're faced with a need, ask God for more. Enough and extra reinforces the devil's defeat twice. How often? I mean, come on now. You want to, the devil's defeated anyway. But we can say we defeated you twice because I got my stuff taken care of and I helped my friend over here. So now you defeated him twice. You know, take that. Stomp him out. Okay, so now we're talking about God gives seed to the sowers. So if I can get the help of the ushers, and Tim, can you help too? Ronnie, you can help too. So I have this wad here. I have a dollar. I'm giving everybody in here a dollar. Okay? So when they're doing, I'm going to keep talking as they're doing this. When you develop a heart to give, God will get seed to you. We were created in God's image, and he is a giver. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. We're created in his image. He is the biggest giver of all. So if we're created in his image, we're givers, right? Say, God is the biggest giver. Okay, and we can't ever outgive God because he's given right back to us, right? Okay, so hang on to your dollar. I'm going to explain what we're going to do with it, okay? So in 2 Corinthians 9... 11 through 14, for while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of God and for your liberal sharing with all men. So we're going to share. I'm sharing with you guys. I'm giving you all a dollar. We're sharing. Ask God what part of your income is seed to sow and what part is bread to meet your needs. So you all know I love to bake cinnamon rolls. And the one time I made cinnamon rolls, thanks, Ronnie. (laughs) The one time I made cinnamon rolls, and I usually charge like $3 per cinnamon roll. So I asked God what to do. He said, I want you to give it away. I want you to give my children, my people, just give them away. I'm like, but, but I was raising money for them to go on a mission trip. I need like $3,000, Lord. I'm trying to send the youth on a trip. He goes, how much do you have in it? Well, not that much. He goes, don't you trust me? He goes, I've given you the bread. Now you give the seed. I'm like, okay. Raised $1,500 that day. More than what I could have done if I sold them individually. So, you got to get you listen to God and do what He says. He, in return, is going to bless you. So, this dollar, 
that you just got. So I know some people will be like, I don't have money to give. I don't have any extra for seed. I can't give a seed. I don't have any extra. One dollar is a seed. You have a seed. I gave you all a seed. Now, I blessed you guys. It's just a dollar. I know it's not much. It's just a dollar. But a dollar is worth something. You put $3 together. You put $10 together. You put $100 together. But this is a seed. And I want you guys to take this dollar and you use it as a seed. You bless someone with this dollar. So now you're a blessing and you will be blessed to be a blessing. But before you just give it away, you pray and you ask God, what do you want me to do with this dollar? Where should I put this seed? Okay? It may be to a friend. It may be to a total stranger. It may be to a ministry. But, you know, it may be someone you know, someone you don't know. But you pray about it and you do what God tells you to do with this dollar. Okay? So, um, you have to overcome a spirit of poverty. To overcome a spirit of poverty, you see yourself wealthy. A poor man sees himself poor. Which spirit rules your heart? So think about it. If you go, oh, I'm so poor. I just can't do anything. I don't have any money. I can't do this. No. And God, you are rich. Get it in your heart that you are blessed and you are a blessing. So that's right. So do you have, you might have a spirit of poverty if, and I have several things listed, if you ever get cold sweats when the economy is bad. Your friends call you Scrooge, tightwad, or pessimist. Murphy's Law is more important to you than God's law. You're constantly complaining about the cost of things. You're always trying to get things for free. You're hoarding things. Bothered by others who are blessed. And you say, why not me? What's going to change after today? Hopefully this will get into your heart. How others see you? Oh, I got to get a new car. I got to get new clothes. I have to wear certain outfits. I got to have a bigger house. I need this fancy. I need that fancy. You're obsessed with success, and you feel safe with a certain amount of money. Like you have to have a certain amount of money to feel like you're accomplished. So most of my lesson um, comes from Greg Moore, but he shares a story. Him and his wife had this poverty mentality and attitude for a long time. They used to hide money. They would move, and they would find money that they had hidden and forgotten about because they felt like they needed to save money to be of a certain status, to be of a certain protection, to have a certain, you know, security net. So, um, again, poverty mentality, you guys are blessed to be a blessing. So in Mark 14, I mean Mark 12, 41 through 44, it says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how people put money into the treasury, and many were rich who put in. But there was one widow that came. She put two mites in. She had all that she had. So it's not about the amount you put in. It's about how you give and where it's coming from and what's in your heart. This dollar, if you give with the right attitude and the right heart, is just as much, if not more, than someone given a million dollars. It's all from the heart. So Jesus watches how people give. 
So it's a ratio thing. It's not how much or how less. It's where it's coming from. So we're going to so, um, give thanks for what you have and watch God multiply it. So he gave thanks. Like if you, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. But in John 6, he talks, you know, it's when he took the six loaves, the five loaves and the two fish. So that was not very much food to feed a lot of people. Did Jesus complain about it? No, he blessed it and it multiplied. How many times have you had a repair that you had to have done on a car, on your HVAC, or other things, and it's like 4000 5000 You're like, where am I going to get that money? Or you just, it happened to us several times. We had a van. We had repairs for like $3,000. Or we had just got a bonus, and we had the bonus money, so we were able to take care of it. It's like, a lot of people are like, oh, man, there goes my bonus. Well, we were rejoicing. Praise God. We had the money to fix it. You know, God knew what we needed, and he provided before we even knew what we needed. So give thanks for what you have and watch God multiply it. So there's some hindrances that can keep you from your blessing. This blindness, what we experience, what we've had, what we've done in the past. You know, I had some time in my life when, you know, let's just say everybody has things in the past. Well, the past is the past. It doesn't matter. God has taken it, and it's gone. So he's going to bless you no matter what. You come to him. You come to him in faith. You're his child. He's going to bless you. He doesn't play favorites. You know, he blesses Ronnie. If he's going to bless Ronnie, he's going to bless me. You know, he blesses Pastor Dave. He's going to bless Anna. He's going to bless us all because we're his children. So to, the solution to blindness is the Father's care for us. In Psalms thirty-five twenty-seven, he says, Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Okay. I'm his child. What more will he do for me, his own child? You know, think of all the things that you want to do for your children, for your grandchildren, you know, for the little ones. He's going to do that for me. But we are his children, not his servants. He is El Shaddai, more than enough. So the second hindrance is fear of not having enough. I can't give because, because I need it. In 2 Timothy, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you don't need to live in fear. You trust in God. It's not what you hold on to that protects you from lack, but what you give in obedience, putting your trust in God. If you obey God and put your trust in him and give as he says, you're going to have enough. So trust, give out of trust, not obligation. He wants our hearts. Don't just give because you think it's going to protect you. You give out of your heart because you want to obey God, and that's what he's telling you to do. And Matthew says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where do you treasure your stuff? The third hindrance is covetousness, which is also greed. In Exodus, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his servant or his ox or his donkey, 
or anything, or his cars, or his boats, his RVs, his clothes. I'm kind of paraphrasing there. But you know, in this day and age, we're not coveting someone's ox. We're coveting their car, their boat, their RV, you know, their job, their status. So the solution to that is contentment. In Hebrews 13, it says, Let your conduct be without covetous. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What more do you need? He will not leave us in a place of lack. He's not going to leave us. In 2 Timothy, I think it says. Is it 2 Timothy? Yes, in 1 Timothy. If any provide not for his own, he's worse than infidel. We're his own. He's going to provide for us, right? So the fourth reason or fourth hindrance is impulsiveness or flesh. You're led by the flesh instead of the spirit. You wait on a decision. In Romans 8, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So then those who are in flesh cannot please God. Okay, so I'm really, really bad about this. I want something. I want it now. So like, you know, when our HVAC went out, Tim's like, yeah, it's going to be like over $8,000. I'm like, okay, well, let me call the bank. Let me see about getting a loan. Let's see how can we do this. And he's like, no, we're going to pray about it. I'm like, pray about it? we got to get it fixed. I'm like, okay, you know, we go, we go looking at cars. Okay, I like this one. Let's get this one. He goes, no, we're going to pray about it. But I want a car now. I want it now. I want something. I want it now. I, I do not like to wait. So that's the flesh. Tim waits on the spirit. We make a pretty good team. We kind of level each other out. But he's like, so the patience. Patience is something I've never really had a lot of, and I'll be honest about it. And I learned a long time ago I don't pray for it either because I think it's a hard lesson to learn, and I don't know if I can take it, to be honest. So in Isaiah 48, 17, it says, Thus the Lord, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. So whenever you have a big financial decision to make, See how the Lord's going to lead you. Ask him because he's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to leave you in a place of lack. He's not going to steer you wrong. You follow him. So I've learned to do that. So I don't give authority to your emotions. Okay. Instead, be led by the spirit in any financial decision. The fifth hindrance is stinginess. Mr. Scrooge, you're a tightwad. You may have money, but it is ruled by poverty, fear of not having enough. So in Proverbs 13, it says, There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. So I put down here Nabal. I want you guys to go read that story. I'm not going to get into it, but I thought it was kind of it's an interesting story to read. The solution to overcoming this stinginess is to develop an attitude of generosity. Have a yes in your heart toward people. Meet people where they are. Carry seed money. So I use Tim a lot as an example because he's an easy target. But anyway, 
he always has me, when I go to the bank, to get him a bunch of $5 bills. So he takes $5 bills, and he keeps them in his truck. So if you ever need $5, he probably has $5. But he comes upon somebody, he likes to hand out $5. He feels like God told him to carry $5 bills. That's his seed money, to plant a seed. So come up to a street corner, there's someone there, he'll give him a $5 bill. Give him a $5 bill. So pray to God and see if he tells you to do something similar. Our youngest daughter, Sarah, used to make little um, grocery brown bags and put like a bottle of water or granola bar, a couple little things in it, and hand those out whenever we came upon somebody on the street. So in Proverbs eleven twenty five, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So you're, you know, you're blessing someone, you in return are going to be blessed. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The key to generosity is giving yourself to the Lord first. Lord, here I am. Use me. What do you want me to do? Listen to him. He will direct your path. God is a giver, and we are made in his image. The next hindrance is laziness. You hesitate. You're idle. Always have an excuse. Laziness destroys your potential. So in Proverbs 24, in the message, it says, some reasons are no sense of purpose or sense of inadequacy. Fear of fail. Um, I'm sorry, that's not the verse. It's over here. One day I walked by the field of an old lazy bones and then passed the vineyard of a slob. They were overgrown with weeds, thick with thistles, all the fences broken down. I took a long look and pondered what I saw. The fields preached me a sermon and I listened. A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. So if you keep putting it off, you keep putting it off, you keep putting it off, you're not going to get it done. Some reasons that we have a purpose like this of inadequacy is fear of failure. With God on your side, you're not going to fail. God supernaturally provided manna for the children of Israel. They had to go out. He provided it all, but they still had to gather it. So if you sit back and do nothing, you know, God's going to give you opportunity to be a blessing. You have to do something. You have to take a hold of it, and you have to accomplish what he has set before you. So the solution to this is develop an attitude of diligence. Not lagging in diligence, fervor in the spirit, serving the Lord. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Those out of Proverbs, by the way. So the next one is ownership. You need to know who the owner and boss is. Who is the owner and the boss? Genesis 1.31, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. God created everything, therefore he is the owner of everything. God is the owner. He's my boss. I've got several bosses at work, but God is my boss. He is my ultimate boss. Tim thinks he's my boss, but God is my boss. <laughs> so the solution is we are stewards. Different attitude when you handle other people's money. So God created it. We're just stewards of it. 
okay? So, as a little girl, I was in brownies. I was the treasurer for the brownie troop. The church I grew up in and the youth group, I was the treasurer for the youth group. I worked at McDonald's. I was in charge of all the money when I was at McDonald's. I was the change person in charge of all the money when the armored truck came. You know, at work, one of my first jobs at work, I was in charge of all the coffee money. PTA, for the kids, I was always the treasurer. You guys getting the, catching the, I've always been a part of other people's money. Now at Ambassadors, I help them. I'm one of their shoppers, so, you know, I'm very diligent when it comes to money, with other people's money, you know. So the money that I have, this is God's money. So I'm trying to be diligent and do what he tells me to do with it so I can be a blessing. I'm a blessing to be blessed. So the eighth hindrance is the love of money. Covetous is the heart lusting after material things. The love of money, though, is a result of the heart tolerating and accepting the deceitfulness of riches as the truth. This is not going to buy me happiness. This is just something to use while I'm here to be a blessing. But it's not going to buy me happiness. Mark 4.19, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. If I let this get in the way of the word that God has given me, this can choke it out because I'm too busy trying to get this in my hand to listen to what the word is telling me to do. It's telling me to be a blessing. So when I get this in my hand, I want to share it and be a blessing to others so that I can be blessed. So the solution is we choose relationships. In Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The love for God and love for people dries out the love of money from the heart. So, you know, there are different examples, and you can look them up. I encourage you guys to dig into the word and see it for yourself. But Abraham and Lot, the prodigal son, the rich young ruler. Don't be selfish. If nothing else that you take from today is know that you are blessed to be a blessing. So God wants to give you what you need and give you extra. Always, always, always ask for extra. No matter what you need from God, he wants to give it to you and he wants to give you more and more and more so that you can be a blessing. Because that's what the kingdom of God is. You know, he has blessed us with eternal life. He's blessed us with health. He's blessed us with a lot. So we need to show the world how blessed we are by being a blessing to others. You know, and you not always have to use money to bless people. You can bless people in so many other ways. Just showing, showing love, showing kindness. Exactly. Just being who you are that God has created you to be and following what he has called you to do. I'm so blessed that Pastor Dave and Ina gave me the opportunity to speak today. So I just want to shout out to them. We are a blessed body here, a blessed church, that we have shepherds, you know, and we have so many amazing pastors. We have amazing worship team. We have amazing people. You all are amazing. 
And so thank you for listening to me. But just go today and know that you are blessed to be a blessing. And pray over your dollar. And I cannot wait to hear testimonies of how God has blessed you from planting seeds. I just want to say, yay, honey.